2020 has been the biggest leadership test of our lives. When I was in primary school, my friends and I would draw pictures of Wawasan Doplo Doplo, of Vision 2020. We imagine a future of flying cars, of holographic devices, and of ocean cities. Turns out, instead of flying cars, we now have stalled planes. Instead of holographic machines, we now have virtual Zoom backgrounds. Instead of ocean cities, we now have water cuts. It's safe to say that most plans we had for 2020 have been broken. For many of us, 2020 has been a year of unspoken loss and pain. It's never been more difficult to lead than now. And if you're wondering if the word leader applies to you, I want to suggest that if you're responsible for taking care of a loved one, if you're providing direction to a team struggling to adjust, if you are a friend to someone who's had a tough year, or if you're just trying to hold on while being very aware of your own limitations, you are a leader. See, when God created us in His image, He gave us the call to leadership. But how do we stay motivated in a time of doubt, worry, and fear, and then take care of others through our own struggles? Today, I want to speak to you about how to lead when our plans are broken. Our scripture today tells us about how to lead when things around us are broken and lost. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, speaking to a church struggling with disunity and a team breaking down, St. Paul writes a manual for how to lead in a time of brokenness. In fact, this is really a manual for how to live like Christ. First, Paul defines what love is. And then at the end of the chapter, he concludes with these remarkable words. He says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. See, throughout history, civilizations have risen and fallen on the basis of violence and power. Wars were waged by mighty men who claimed what didn't belong to them and abandoned what did. New kingdoms took over on the basis of breaking up and breaking down the enemy. But at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he announced the arrival of a different kingdom. This would be a kingdom that would never end. It would be God's rescue operation for a world of brokenness and division. Then in one of Jesus' opening remarks, Jesus declared these shocking words, Blessed are the brokenhearted, for they shall be comforted. Later on, he would declare, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, You are blessed not from a position of strength, but in your brokenness, because broken people have nothing to prove, nothing to hold back, and everything to give. And he offers to us today, a way to lead in a time of broken plans with the blueprint of three gifts that endure any crisis. Faith, hope, and love. The first way that we can lead in a time of brokenness is to lead with faith. It's been said that leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. But hasn't 2020 been the exact opposite of that? Instead of seeing vision turn into reality, it seemed more like reality turning into a nightmare. Someone once described to me how the lockdown feels like a house of mirrors. 
Like when you're locked in and confined to yourself, every corner you look at becomes a reminder of your gap, of your lack. And often the first result of separation is doubt. Doubt in yourself and then doubt about others. But faith allows us to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. Faith is both sight and strength. It doesn't simply see how things are possible. It makes things possible. Why? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, Paul fleshes out a little bit more about what faith, hope, and love do to us. He says, as he encourages the church, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, faith works because faith produces work. Faith is not just visualization, but activation. It's been said that vision without action is nothing but a daydream. But action without vision is also nothing but a nightmare. Faith marries vision with action because what we believe informs how we behave. And today, I believe that God can transform the way we think about ourselves and the world. As we see God for who He is, we begin to see ourselves and others the way He sees us. St. Paul describes faith as the confidence in what we hope for, a certainty in things we do not see. And this certainty translates to faithful action. In fact, the root word of faithfulness is faith. My 11-month-old son, Levi, is learning to walk now. And I've noticed that the process of walking is actually quite uncomfortable. It involves many falls and, and knocks. In fact, not walking for him is literally falling forward as he tries to land on his feet, failing most of the time. But occasionally, he makes it. And then he takes two steps before falling again. See, for him, faith is not the ability to avoid the fall. It's the confidence to get up again. And sometimes the most important move you can make is a small step in the right direction. Jesus said in the Gospels, all you need to move mountains is faith as small as a seed. See, faith doesn't just allow us to see the price to win, it empowers us to pay the price for the effort. With faith, you can put one foot in front of the other and then another. The hardest step is often the first one, but don't give up now. I want to suggest to you today that there are small steps you can take each day, which over time will move mountains in your life. You can read scripture each day or, or listen to the Bible in one year. Uh, you can text someone a kind word to encourage them. You can practice the discipline of being thankful, just thanking God for something positive in your life. You can move a little bit because exercise is helpful. Motion creates emotion. Or you can turn Instagram off for an hour. Invest in rest over entertainment. And right now, you can ask someone to pray for you. You can do this right now in this service by clicking request prayer. The Bible describes faithfulness as a fruit that will grow. And this key, the key to fruitfulness is faithfulness. So never doubt the power of small steps taken consistently. 
put your faith in Jesus. His strength is endless. His joy is boundless. His vision is perfect. The second way we can lead when our plans are broken is through enduring hope. It was Corey Ten Boom, a Holocaust survivor, who once said, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. It's carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. But hope, on the other hand, is completely the opposite of worry. It sees tomorrow's promise and becomes today's purpose. Hope and worry go into the future, but only one comes back with a good report. And I tend to think of hope as a little bit like a punching bag. See, hope is like a punching bag that is well-grounded. doesn't matter what comes at its way. It comes back up because it stands weighted at the center. The word for enduring hope that Paul uses is the Greek word hypomone, which means a steadfast perseverance. See, hope at its center is steady. It stays steady when I worry about my finances. It stays steady when I worry about what people think of me. Will I get sick? Will I recover? What will I wear for the top half of my Zoom meetings? It stays steady when we worry about the lockdown. Hope endures because it has seen the victory of the future and it has the muscle memory of victory. See, when you know how the story ends, you don't get rattled by the drama of the middle. Without hope, brokenness feels like the end. With hope, brokenness is only a comma to the sentence. It doesn't have the final word. With hope, the best is yet to come. This is why hope endures. This is why Paul writes, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Hope sees brokenness through the lens of growth, not death. If you notice how positive and hopeful people are amazing problem solvers, leaders who lead with hope, see setbacks as setups for growth. They believe that when things fall apart, God can make them fall into place. They ask when things are broken, what lessons can I learn from this? And how is God making me grow through this? It's no wonder why Jesus' followers were called disciples, literally students and learners of the way. See, at the core of Christian leadership is a learning posture, a posture grounded in hope that one day we would be transformed to be more like Christ. And so to follow Christ would mean giving up our egos and learning faulty mindsets and growing to be more like Him. Hope always leads to growth. And if you lead with hopeful endurance, you will lead with a learning posture of growth. Finally, the third way we can lead despite broken plans is through love. But what makes love different from faith and hope? Well, I kind of think of the difference a little bit like this. See, when you put your cup under a water pipe and turn on the tap, that's faith. When you wait for water to come, that's hope. 
But when you realize it's a water cut again, and you give your last cup of water in your hand to your sibling, that's love. See, faith is upward. With faith, we know what God can do. Hope is onwards. With hope, we know what God will do. But love is the greatest of them all because love is outward. Paul describes love as a motivation to labor. He says, we remember your labor prompted with love. It's so interesting how he uses the word labor to describe the work of love. It's a kind of exhaustion that comes from being hit with pain and brokenness. The kind of work that can only continue with love behind it. And that's why in so many ways, labor sort of describes the hardship that we're going now, right? The, the sort of work from home reality that we're all going through. Today, you can know that the labor of love that you are putting in, whether it's to work from home, whether it's to jump in from Zoom meetings from one to another, whether it's to prepare meals for your loved ones, when your leadership circle becomes more immediate and proximate, you receive a love that propels your labor. See, faith empowers me today. Hope strengthens me for tomorrow. But love makes it more than me. And love shines through brightest, through brokenness. A few weeks ago, a few mothers from HDBB came to hear about some mothers from a food bank community who didn't have enough to feed their babies. They discovered that these mothers weren't able to buy bottled milk for their babies. And so instead of milk, these mothers would use 100 plus, a carbonated drink to feed their babies. And when they heard this, their hearts broke for their fellow mothers and they began to pull funds together to buy milk for them. Within 48 hours, they raised more than enough money to supply one year's worth of milk for 50 families. One of the mothers even used a power of bargaining through her connections to secure 20% discount. The mystery of God's upside-down kingdom is that God can do more with broken hearts than with mighty hands. See, leadership is measured more by how you give than what you take. And today, if you have been broken by the events of the world, if your heart's been broken for the pain of another person, if your spirit's been broken by an injustice around you, you can know and share the love of God. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. And today, wherever you are, however you feel, whatever brokenness you're faced with, you can know that what was meant for evil, God can turn for good. In Christ, we participate in a beautiful exchange for ashes, beauty, for fear, love, for death, life. Jesus promises the hope of new life on the other side of our brokenness. See, the Christian life doesn't just fatalize the reality of pain. It, it doesn't say pain is our only future. Neither does it deny the reality of pain and say that pain is only an illusion. While we may not always know the reason for our brokenness, Jesus offers a redemption through it. Our faith in Christ means that death does not get the final word. 
All throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus demonstrated what it means to be brokenhearted and yet blessed. Often before the blessing came, there was a breaking. Before there was success, there was surrender. And before new growth surfaced, the seed had to first fall to the ground. Today, you can know a love that blesses what is broken and turns it into new life. See, when Jesus' disciples first heard his opening address, announcing the kingdom of God with those, with those unusual words, blessed are the brokenhearted, little did they know those words would ring true years later at the cross on which Jesus died. When Paul wrote about the labor of love, he had this in mind. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. On the cross, as Jesus hung for us, his body broken, he offered himself to God. And at the cross, Jesus defeated sin and death so that when he rose again, new life was born. Love turns what is broken, blesses it, and turns it into new life. And today, you can receive this new life. This is why you can know the love of God and have a faith that works, a hope that endures. This is why you can lead instead of doubt with faith, instead of worry with hope, and instead of fear with love. Today, as we remember how Jesus' body was broken for us, God can turn what is broken into new life. Shall we pray? You may want to raise your hands wherever you're at right now uh, as a sign of being open to what the Spirit is doing. And I'm just going to pray a simple and short prayer. It's one of the most ancient prayers of the church, saying, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you and we invite you into our lives. Into the broken parts of our lives, we say, Come. Come. 